Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 26, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we are now officially in summer in the Northern Hemisphere. We've hit the summer solstice. We are actually technically having days get shorter, but don't tell us that quite yet. So, and especially then for our listeners to the Southern Hemisphere, welcome to the winter solstice. Your days are slowly getting longer. I know that this is probably an anticipated time of year to be able to see that change, see that movement and being able to see the sun kind of come back. And as we've talked about before, this is kind of that season after Pentecost is that growing season. This is that time that we are digging into the scriptures deeper and being able to pull more and more out. And I think we can continue to build upon that this week. And I really enjoy where we'll be going this week because I think it continues to kind of build upon this argument and build upon this idea of we have to be looking ourselves in the mirror consistently during this time of year and really be able to analyze and think about, is this really helping us move forward or is this is something that we're holding on to that's preventing us from moving forward? And this is something that we do within the scientific community all the time. You have to be able to challenge your ideas and if they're not being held up, thus you need to move on. You need to be able to Follow with what the continued research is showing you and being able to help that doesn't mean that you can't have the outside idea, but it also means you need to build upon what we know and be able to also continue to follow where the dots are leading to be able to make more hypothesis on this is where we're going and being able to let go of ideas that aren't helping us get to that place. But before we jump into this week's podcast, we have to look at last week's question, which last week's question is, where do you need to expand your view? And I found a really interesting response from one of our listeners talking about how as they're getting older, reflecting upon what different people have taught them and in that what was taught and what wasn't taught and not necessarily that it's the teacher's fault but even just the story of what we have been telling ourselves and I think there's a lot of ways within our own faith walk and within our own lives we have to be able to do this too there's certain parts of our story we don't necessarily want to talk about but in doing so it actually might be able to help move forward where we're going in the long run as a community. And so being able to talk about the things that we don't want to talk about, but also being able to talk about things that were good too, the things that we want to talk about, but being able to balance those out helps us to expand our view of not only ourselves, but how others help them understand that we're human and making that relatable stance so that we all are human. So Let's just jump into it this week. Remember, we have two different Old Testament readings. So the one option is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then 6 through 14. This is kind of interesting, I find, jumping to this section, especially with where we were last week and what the alternative reading is for this. But being in 2 Kings, now we have Elijah and Elisha in their last days together. And here, Elijah keeps telling Elisha to stay here, that the Lord is sending him further on. And Elisha keeps insisting, no, 
It keeps in saying, no, I'm going to stay with you as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you is the statement that we keep getting. And so as that time comes, there's this craving of Elisha not wanting to leave Elijah. And so we get this discussion then on what is Elisha really looking for and to inherit a double share of your spirit. And in that, Elijah says, You have asked for a hard thing. If you see me as I'm being taken from you, you will be granted it. And so that's when then we get the chariots of fire being taken up. And then we get this double share. And the mantle of Elijah has now been fully put on Elisha to continue being the prophet for the people of Israel. But this idea of, again, the movement forward, this changing of the guard in this regard, that there's going to be something new that's happening as this goes on. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 77, verses 1 and 2, and 11 through 20. And this then is being able to, one, we're crying out to God. This is a repeated theme and realizing that God is the refuge in our trouble, but then also being able to spend time with God, meditating with God, and realizing the wonders of what God is doing, the the ways that God is continuing to provide, the ways that God is continuing to protect, the ways that because of what God is doing, we understand how much we are being led like a flock of sheep, like we're being led as a lamb by the shepherd and being willing and able to follow those footsteps, being able to trust where the shepherd is taking us. The other alternative reading for the Old Testament is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 and 16, and 19 through 21. This is picking up where we were last week in 1 Kings. And as I talked about, this is where Elijah is starting to transition into giving off to Elisha. As we see, there's still quite a ways that that happens. But This is where the Lord then is telling him to go and to anoint Elisha as the prophet in your place. And this is where I think it's really interesting is here you have Elisha with 12 yoke of oxen. And as he passes by, Elijah puts his mantle on him and Elijah goes back, kisses his father and mother and follows him. And when he returns, he had taken the yoke of his oxen and had slaughtered them, using the equipment from the oxen, boiled their flesh, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And in a lot of ways, for me, as I'm reading this, this is someone saying, yes, I am completely done with this. I am now moving into this new direction. I am moving to where God is wanting me to be. And I think that's a really key transition to be looking at is God calls and then here Elisha goes to be following that. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 16. And again, this is along those similar themes that God protects us, God provides for us. And when we are following with God, that a lot of the different things are falling into place, that we realize that this is all things that God is providing us. These are things that the Lord is providing. So thus, if we're realizing and recognizing that the Lord is providing, then we are able to be the joy of where God has created us and designed us and being able to fulfill what God has wanted us to be and being able to continue to step forth in that path. 
The second reading this week is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 and verses 13 through 25. This, like we talked about briefly last week, is the fruits of the Spirit text. But I think there is a couple things here. Remember that Paul is writing to the people of Galatia. And in doing that, he's trying to help them recognize that above all, you should love your neighbor as yourself, coming from verse 14. And that in doing that, that means that we need to be following where the spirit is leading us instead of the flesh. And then he lists off these different things in verses 18 and 19 into 20 of the things and in 21 of what the flesh is. And then in verse 22 gets the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control going into verse 23. In doing that, one of the things that I was hearing in a text study that I was in this last week is how often do we focus on the things of the flesh and the things that are not what we should be doing and kind of criticizing that instead of, by contrast, focusing in on how do we do these fruits of the Spirit? How do we recognize and try to continue to breed these, realizing that we will fall short, realizing that it's okay to fall short, but they continue to be striving to do the fruits of the Spirit instead of ridiculing the ways that we fall short with the flesh. And so recognizing and doing that and realizing that because we will fall short, that was the reason for the crucified Christ. That is what this is all about. And so then we are attempting to live by the Spirit, realizing that the crucified flesh has already been taken care of, but yet that still should empower us to be trying to live in accordance with the Spirit. The Gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. This is a kind of a difficult text, but we have to realize that this is where Jesus is turning his nose toward Jerusalem, as it states in verse 51. He is starting to think about his crucifixion and is going to be trying to beeline to Jerusalem. So as he is in this Samaritan territory and people are coming up to him and talking to him and saying, I'll go wherever you go or let me follow you, but I first need to do this. And Jesus states with some pretty harsh words, like in verse 58, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Verse 60, after saying, first, let me bury my father, essentially, which that could be a multi-year process, that the father is sick. And so they're wanting to spend time with their sick father to then get prepared for the burial. And Jesus says to them, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another saying, let me first say farewell to my home. And Jesus says, no one will put hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this idea of, again, when you are being called, yes, there are ways that you can wrap things up, but it's also don't let that pull you back. Don't let that distract you from where God is trying to call you to being being able to do what God has called you to be, to, to be the person that God is calling you and wanting you to be. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some perspective. Not only having their Working Preacher podcast, having three to four different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, but also having commentaries from other biblical scholars from all over the world and multiple lectionary cycles. So being able to have that archive to go through. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. The second place that I would also highly recommend checking out is Vanderbilt's Divinity Library using the Revised Common Lectionary. I really enjoy using them, one, for the text. I really like how they lay them out and being able to look at them as I'm talking to you about these. But also, I really enjoy using the art section, being able to look at different people and how people throughout time, throughout space, throughout different places on this globe have interpreted these texts. I find it extremely helpful for us to be able to help understand that. So, if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I highly recommend that also. It's difficult when we're being called to do something and to change what we are doing. It's difficult. And now like we talked about a little bit in the introduction here this week, it's difficult, but it's also necessary. It's necessary to be able to, within science, if we know that this isn't going to lead to anything additional research, or is this not the answer that we were searching? In the regard of what we've been assuming for a long period of time, we're finding more and more that it's not correct. If we don't pivot, we're not innovating and we're not moving forward. And the whole idea of science is to know, to knowledge, it's to learn things, it's to grow, it's to grow our understanding, it's to be able to build this idea and being able to have it malleable enough to be able to grow our understanding. If you are fixed at this is the way that things are, it's very difficult for you to be able to continue to innovate on those ideas and continue to grow in those ideas. If you look at a child, one of the beautiful things with a child is that with school, the whole idea is to start to get them not only to just learn, but being able to be malleable enough to take in new information, think creatively, think through a problem, and be able to come up with answers that make sense. Be able to come up with solutions that drive them forward. We go through all this a lot in our lives. There's certain mechanisms and things that we do at different ages that work, but if we try doing them later, that doesn't help. What may have been a good coping mechanism at age five may not work for you when you're 25 in the same way. You've grown, you've developed, and life and things around you have changed, so thus you need to change how you're going to cope with whatever situation that's changed in in that example 20 years since you were five years old. This is the same thing that we go through all the time. And there's some research that came out here in May that I think is really important. And I think it ties back into the church in some ways. And I think that's where we'll kind of get to. But let's talk about this. And the article, and I'll attach them down below, is that modern farm vehicles are as heavier, heavier than dinosaurs and are causing damage to the soil for decades. And what they're finding is modern farm equipment has gotten to the point where it's as heavy or heavier than sauropods. Now, sauropods might be a weird word to be throwing out, but when you think of dinosaurs, think of like the brontosaurus or the long-necked dinosaurs, that's a sauropod. 
And what that is, is now with the amount of weight that they had and compressing the earth, it caused damage, not necessarily straight to the topsoil, but under that, after about seven inches, it's compressing that soil, making it harder for roots to grow, harder for things to penetrate. And what they're finding is because of how much weight the, these farm equipment has gotten to, this has then created something very similar. And what we've been doing is we've been adding heavier tires, but we're making them bigger so that it doesn't hurt that topsoil because that's how we value that topsoil for those seeds to be able to get into the ground and start to grow. But what they're finding is after the bout, that first 7.87 inches or so, there's so much compression that's happening that it hurts the root development. And they're estimating that 20% of farmland within the world is now getting to this high risk area, which because of how much of the compression is going to get to this point of a high risk of having a productivity loss because of how we're doing modern farming. And when you look at the weights of how things have changed, when you look at the smaller scale farming and different things that we had of the 1960s, that now here we are 60 years later, the equipment is now 10 times heavier than it was in the 1960s. And that's just partially where we've run into this problem. Now, the question now becomes, do we continue to do this? And part of the reason why we've done these bigger farming equipment and heavier equipment is it's made it more efficient. It's made it so that we can do higher growth fields. We have bigger yields. We have bigger areas that we're able to do because we have bigger equipment, faster equipment, and because of then the weight, who cares? We've been able to harvest more, thus helping our food feeding the amount of people that we have here on this planet. But now we're having beginning research starting to show that, no, this is causing a problem. So the point gets to, are we going to pivot? Are we going to continue doing this, which is hurting, which makes the world less able to be able to grow? Or are we going to pivot and figure out new and creative ways to be able to continue to do that or maybe scale back for a while as we're figuring out new ways to do that? Another example that I ran across this last week, and it's been something because of the pandemic, they're finding now that we are having more lightning storms because of pollution because of particulates being up in the atmosphere. And the way that they were able to test this is in twofold. One, we have shipping lanes across the ocean. So areas that are kind of like highways, very common traveled areas, and you can be able to test these certain areas. And as they had different storms and things pop up, you would notice that lightning would strike in the areas where the shipping lanes were and not on the sides as much. Another way that they were able to test it is after volcano eruption in the Philippines, they noticed, again, way more lightning strikes than normal because of the volcanic ash that was in the atmosphere. And the final thing that's kind of confirmed this in a lot of ways is because of what has happened in 2020 and the reduction of particulates, the reduction of using combustion engines and putting those particulates into the atmosphere, there was less lightning around the globe. And as we've then reindustrialized again or come back to what were more of a normal state as we were pre-pandemic, 
Thus, we've also noticed the increase of lightning strikes and partially because now you have particulates and being able to form clouds and then getting charges. I'll attach a video down below talking about this. But again, what is that doing? When you're having lightning, there's the potential of having more forest fires. There's the potential of having more damage because that lightning, that strike has to strike something. And thus, we know the amount of energy that's in lightning can be and will be very damaging to whatever it strikes. So thus, if we're finding that now these particulates are causing this problem, are we going to adjust? Are we going to, and it's worth continuing to do research on, but if the research is leading to this, are we willing to pivot or start to pivot to figure out ways that we're not then having these issues? Jesus is talking about, I feel, in this section of Luke, on how often we are stubborn in that regard. We are stubborn to be able to modify. We are stubborn to be able to adjust. We say, okay, yeah, I will adjust, but let me first do this, 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 and this. And those thises, the let me first go and bury my father. Let me first go and say goodbye to everybody. And this idea of how long does that actually take? Do we, as we go to those people, lose focus? Do we at times think that this is going to be a short time and ends up being much longer for us to get back to where God is actually calling us to be? And I think of a lot of ways, this is kind of an interesting place and where the church is at also. The church is changing and all the metrics on what we're seeing, there's been a lot of shift. And heck, even in the last two plus years, what has all happened because of the pandemic and how the church has opened a whole new can where most places now have some type of digital worship service. With doing that, if you're opening something new, we're maybe pivoting into something new, which then also means that the way in which we've been doing things might need to change. The way that we've, the traditions, the things that we've built up, the baggage that we are now carrying after years and we picked this up and now this is a tradition, now this is a tradition, now this is a tradition. The issue becomes if you have so many of them, it makes it harder and harder to pivot. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but you're going to be slower with the pivot. And so if that's the case, we have to be okay with setting some things down. We have to be okay with letting things go to make us a more movable and easier to adjust to the situation. The issue then we're also running into is think about like from the farmer's perspective. If the farmer keeps doing the way that he has done it now, say for the last 20 years with this heavier equipment and we're finding that it's having compression and we're finding that it's reducing the yield, it's going to make it harder and harder for that field to produce. Thus putting more and more strain on that farmer just because that farmer isn't willing to adjust. The science is showing you're at a higher risk that that's the problem and the solution would be switching to lighter weight tools or thinking maybe of alternative farming methods or at least opening that door. The church is in that same position, I feel, in a lot of ways. Are we willing and able to make those adjustments? Are we willing and able to do that? And heck, with even in our own faith, when we're finding where God is calling us, are we willing and able to put aside things that worked for a while that maybe now we're being called into shifting into something different, shifting and moving into a different direction? Are we willing and able to do that? One of the things for me, getting on a small soapbox here, I think the church needs to get to the idea of not what businesses are doing. And the problem is, is churches have gotten into this idea of what businesses are doing. And heck, I think in a lot of ways, our faith has fallen into that same way. 
businesses work on quarters and years. And you're talking your long range goals or five to 10 year goals. I think especially for churches, in my opinion, we need to be looking at 25 to 50 years horizons at minimum. And the reason that being is the idea that by the time we're reaching them, we have one and that's not even that big of a deal. That we continue to have something that's out ahead of us that we're striving toward, that we're looking toward, that's forcing us to keep innovating and moving forward. But that also means we can't haul everything with us. Your faith that you had at five years old is not the faith that you have at 15, is not the faith that you have at 25, is not the faith that you have at 35. It shouldn't be. There should be growth. That means within the church, the church can't keep holding on to all this stuff because what worked when you were five is not going to work when you're 35. And the kids in that time that shifted what really have worked when you were five, but now that you're 35 and you're looking back at the five-year-olds, it just doesn't connect the same way. We have to be willing and okay with adjusting and how we're looking at things. Science does that. The idea of this is what we know at this point and making sure that we still understand what the principles and stuff are because there's still concepts and such that you can use. They can be used. The core principles might be okay. But the way it's being implemented and done needs to change. Science continues to find, okay, now we have a more accurate way of doing this. We need to redo this test, look at things. Yup, and this needs to be modified because we weren't able to be as precise. And now that we are able to be more precise, we're finding that we were wrong because we were within this margin of error and we had no idea. Are we willing and able to do that within our own faith lives, within our own faith communities? Being willing and able to challenge it to be able to grow. Taking research like this is difficult. Realizing that we have a pollution problem that's causing potentially more damage, and especially as we're having more droughts around the world, this might be something we might really need to look at and consider. Seeing that we're having issues with weight causing potentially less production of food and realizing that we have more and more people on this planet, we might need to modify the ways in which we're doing this, think innovatively or reconsider how we're doing things. Maybe we can't do big industrial farming. Maybe we need to have smaller scale farms again. Yes, that's going to mean more work, but maybe that's opening up a new opportunity. Maybe it forces us to think creatively and move forward in a different way. And I think that's in a lot of ways where Christ is trying to tell us is when I'm calling, there's reasons on why I'm calling. There's reasons on instead of getting angry with the situation, instead of just quarreling and saying, oh, I can't do this. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are so important, the love, joy, and peace and patience that, okay, this is what we know now. Let's work together in this. Let's find a way that we together can figure this out. We are much better as a group than we are as individuals. We see that in the first Kings text and how Elisha just totally shifts quickly closes the book as quick as he can and moves forward. And yet, we even have here at the end of Elijah's ministry how Elisha is longing, longing for it to not change. But realizing that, yes, the Lord will still be there and the Lord still has great things for Elisha as Elisha moves forward. So, the question I have for you this week is, are we willing to innovate in our faith? Are we willing to innovate in our faith? When I talk innovate, it means that we're willing to let go of things also. Are we willing to put things down to allow us to innovate? It's being able to think creatively, being able to move forward creatively, 
in regards to that we realize that there's going to be difficult decisions that need to be made. There's things that need to be put out to pasture and realize we're going to still take this concept, but the way that this is being done just can't be done anymore. We need to continue to move forward. We continue to have goals that are way beyond where we're at so that we keep innovating and staying not relevant per se, but staying connected to the broader community outside of even the church community in a much deeper and more riching and fulfilling way. Because this is the way that I feel that where Christ is calling us to be. Christ is calling us to connect. Christ is calling us to do these things, the love, joy, peace, patience. But that also means at times that we have to do it on God's terms and not our terms. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.